This is the John Oakley Show podcast. 2015, July, that's when President Obama struck a deal over Iran's nuclear weapons program. And he put it in the control of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, which just so happened to be under the control of the very now dead Hassem Suleimano. And this was done even though he was on a U.S. terror list. But apparently Obama thought quite highly of his work. And then because Obama had been seen to to fold on the red line threat regarding serious use of chemical weapons, Iran knew that he would do nothing to stop their nuclear ambitions. And that would set off a whole geopolitical shift that Obama would sell as, you know, stabilizing the Middle East and, and rebalancing Iran's role. But instead, what it did is hand Soleimano and Iran control of a nuclear file that they denied, you know, had anything to do with nuclear and power to redesign the Middle East in favor very much of Iran. Kaveh Sharuz is an Iranian expert, also a senior fellow with McDonald Laureate Institute. Good to have you, sir. Good to be with you, Alex. Thank you. It's a tough so- t- topic, and we could probably talk about this for hours and still not meet the demand for answers. But, you know, as you read through the reaction to this targeted attack, there's a whole lot of apologists out there. Um, you know, they, they characterize this ruthless man, apparently, as quite a victim. And I'm not sure people understand just how powerful and, and, and awful he was. That's exactly right. Um, unfortunately, um, there is a contingent out there that um, looks at a man like Qasem Soleimani and sees somebody that uh, fights with the U.S., and uh, that's enough for them because they're sort of anti-American at their core, um, and they see in him a hero. What they neglect to notice is that here's a man responsible for tens, if not hundreds of thousands of deaths in Syria. He was basically the person um, that, that ran the Syrian operation that crushed the uprising there, um, that killed you know many, many children, women, um, and others. Um, he's been responsible for a lot of terror attacks in the region, in Iraq and elsewhere. Um, and the Revolutionary Guards that uh, he is associated with, um, that he was a commander for, um, is a tool of deep corruption and massive repression at home in Iran. So this is certainly no hero. It's a man with a lot of blood on his hands. And I would think that, you know, while we won't see the celebration, I mean, we are seeing it in Iraq, uh, there have to be a lot of Iranians that are very glad to see this man dead. Um, you know, that's that's what I, um, that's the impression that I get. You know, obviously I'm not inside the country, but I have contacts there and um, I follow social media and I know people are sometimes reluctant to put their um, real feelings from inside the country um, on social media, but uh through the contacts that I have, I, I get the impression that people are actually pretty happy. I mean, they recognize what a monster this, this was. Um, I think people are also somewhat worried about what's to come, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think very many people are confused about the, the monster that Soleimani was. I mean, there is a lot of talk, you know, that this came out of nowhere, that there, there's no justification, but I would say, you know, killing an American, attacking an American embassy, um, and, and generally amassing so much power that you're very dangerous to the, to the world is justification. Does that mean there won't be a cost to that? But I think a lot of people will say, yes, there was a justification, not to mention uh, the Pentagon saying that there were planned attacks. And of course, if, you, if you're if you anti-Trump, you won't believe that. Um, and because there have been issues in the past with honesty about intelligence, there will be a lot of people that just don't buy it. But no question, he has been seen on video threatening more attacks to Americans. No, absolutely. I mean, I think there were there were two grounds basically to atta- to attack him. One um, backward looking in terms of what he had done in terms of the killing that he'd carried out, um, and he had, as you mentioned at the outset, 
um, you know, been on a terror list um, of the United States for some time. So he was, you know, designated as a terrorist. That's that's how he was regarded. Um, so that's backward looking, but also forward looking. I think this was a preemptive action. And I think, um, you know, if the United States had actionable intelligence that he was going to carry out further attacks, and I have no trouble believing that uh, he was going to do that uh, because he was not uh, shy about announcing those plans, um, then I think they had uh, grounds to carry out an action to defend themselves. There will be a price paid. I mean, Iran has promised a response. I'm not sure how strong they are uh, economically or militarily, what they can do, but they can do a whole lot of damage with uh, soft attacks. What does severe revenge look like in your mind as far as uh, retaliation? Um, it's it's hard to know. I, I think you're exactly right. They... Um it's it's unlikely that the Iranians will engage in direct confrontation with the United States. They just don't have the firepower to withstand that kind of, uh, uh, you know, escalation. Uh, but they will engage in what's typically called asymmetrical warfare. So they may carry out terrorist attacks in the region or, uh, you know, elsewhere. They may attack um, oil installations. They did that um, a couple of months ago in Saudi Arabia. Um, Iran also has a pretty strong cyber army that tries to disrupt uh, internet programs around the world. Um, so it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not far fetch to think that they'll be using that as well. You know, Israel, of course, came out in support of the strike and will stand by the United States, but it has been a direct target of this man who made no secret of his hate for, uh, you know, Israel and, and it's his you know, will to want to erase it from the map, as well as Hezbollah. Um, but no question, France has decided to to go along with Russia and China in condemning the attack. Britain and Germany are asking for calm. You know, you've got the Trudeau government marching out with this very tepid response, asking, you know, for everyone to go along and get along. Uh, the response, uh, in your mind, should be what? Well, I would expect uh, the Trudeau government, well, I would hope the Trudeau government um, would um, recognize what a moral monster Soleimani was and um, the fact that his, uh, you know, his assassination actually goes some distance in, in uh you know, uh, it's a response for the for the acts that he's carried out. I would expect them to do that. Unfortunately, that was not actually the, the statement that we saw from the foreign minister. It was very tepid, as you said. Uh, but I, you know, quite honestly, I've, I've come to kind of expect that kind of thing from uh, the Trudeau administration. Um, you know, just just last month, we had mass protests in Iran, where in the span of about two or three days, the Iranian regime, with the help of the Revolutionary Guards, mm-hmm. killed about fifteen hundred people in the span of three days. And to this day, there has not been a statement from uh, Prime Minister Trudeau or from the foreign minister. There was, again, a very tepid statement from uh, our global affairs department. Uh, But uh, regrettably, that's kind of what we've come to expect from the Trudeau government uh, with respect to foreign affairs. Well, you know, they they tried the cozy up approach as they did with China uh, in the beginning and realized, you know, thanks to the Ayatollahs kidnapping a Canadian and then killing another that, you know, you can't cozy up to, to thugs on the world stage. And so, you know, I don't know what their response will be if it's anything like China. I expect they will do absolutely nothing. But we do have troops there on the ground. We do need to have a plan in place, uh, you know, to deal with this. I don't think going along to get along is going to work anymore because there will be someone else who takes over. Absolutely. I mean, somebody else has already been announced, and this is somebody, again, you know, from the ranks of the IRGC. There are no nice guys in the IRGC. The IRGC is a very dangerous, corrupt, repressive um, organization. Um, I I do worry about um, Canadian citizens and about Canadian uh, forces that are abroad. Obviously, they are targets, so I hope that uh, our government is is taking that into account and, uh, you know, providing the protection that they need. But I, I think over time, what the Canadian government, be it Trudeau or anybody else, needs to recognize is that these problems are fundamental mm-hmm. to the Iranian regime and to the IRGC. There is, um, you know, once you get rid of Soleimani, that, that, that's a good thing on balance, but it, he will be replaced by somebody who's equally bad because mm-hmm. that's, that's just part of the system. And it's the system that's, that's a problem. And 
uh, I think Canada and other Western democratic nations need to think about how to support Iranian people to achieve democracy. And that's not going to be achieved by working with the Iranian regime. It's going to be helping Iranians topple the regime. You know, uh, Henry Kissinger back in the day asked, you know, is Iran a country or a cause? Did Donald Trump answer that question on Thursday? Is it a cause uh, that should be treated as such? Well, the, you know, Iran certainly is a country, but this particular um, regime that's been uh, holding the Iranian people uh, hostage for 40 years, I mean, this is, this is really um, a very nefarious ideology mm-hmm. um, that really must be combated by all decent people in all democratic states. So, uh, um, you know, I, I'm not, generally speaking, a fan of the Trump administration, but on this I have to give them credit. I mean, they've recognized what they're up against, and they're taking meaningful action. Yeah, and I think it's not until you hear Iranians, certainly those who have left the country, speaking out, saying, hold on a second, North Americans are glamorizing something that deserves no glamour. I mean, they are ruthless and thugs and won't think twice about killing, you know, you for an ideology. That seems to be lost on those here in North America. Absolutely. I mean, I've been seeing, uh, you know, a lot of commentary on social media from, uh, you know, Hollywood stars and uh, people like that. I think you're talking about Rose McGowan. Oh, Rose McGowan, certainly. Yeah, I I, I, I took a shot at her on on social media earlier. Um, You know, people that wouldn't last a day under uh, the Islamic regime in Iran, the the Islamic regime would never tolerate them. Yet somehow they are very sympathetic to this man, perhaps not even knowing anything about him. But, um, you know, they're general orientation is towards anyone who's anti-America, which I find, um, you know, a repugnant attitude generally. Well, thank you for your expertise and thank you for sharing your time. I have a feeling we'll be talking again. Thanks a lot, Alex. Very much. That's uh, Kaveh Sharuz. Uh, he's an Iranian expert and uh, has been dealing with uh, a lot of the followed uh, over Twitter. In the comment, he's talking about Rose, McGow- Rose McGowan in her infinite wisdom uh, apologized to Iran. I'd like to take this time to apologize on behalf of 52% of Americans. I mean, honestly... Stick to acting. This is not the one you should pick. Don't pick this fight, lady, because you don't know what you're talking about. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.